What's up, Insane Army? It is I, your all-round source for lifestyle tips. Chill out, first practitioner. Don't act. Pop culture maven, adventure travel addict, conversation guru, and full-time happiness advocate. Big shout-out to you for tuning into another episode of Hashtag Yellow with Benton Echo. If you're not doing so already, please smash that subscribe button and jump on over to Instagram. Follow me there as well, at the Benton Echo. Comment and like at my most recent post, and as a thank you, you'll be entered into the weekly Insta Story shout out because you know that's just how much I love your validation. On this week's episode, we are joined by perhaps one of the warmest people I have ever met in all of my travels. I connected with this week's guest a few days ago while exploring the Republic of Benin. She's an international development worker with Dimagi an international organization on a mission to build technology that improves the efficiency and quality of impact-driven missions globally. She serves as project director um, and is working in over six countries across like agriculture, education, nutrition, and so many awesome things. Our guest, you won't believe this, is one of the recipients of the highly acclaimed Princeton in Africa Fellowship and a graduate of Vanderbilt University, where she got a cum laude. Look, I know some Latin. I know that means honors, I hope, I think. And she's really amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's episode's guest is the amazing, the phenomenal Sarah Sagan. Oh, I love her. Are you ready? Okay, let's jump in. This is Hashtag Yellow with Benton Ekmo. Alright, welcome back guys. It's really fun to be recording again. You guys know that I had that crazy break over Christmas and I'm just trying to get back on my grind. But we're back, we're recording and we're starting it with a bang by having an amazing guest on the show. Hey Sarah, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited right now. Me too. I just can't believe like how this all transpired. <laughs> right. We just meet randomly and now I'm sitting here getting interviewed. I know. It's been less than 48 hours, right? Yeah, it's a great meet cute. Crazy. Okay, let's just jump straight into the show. But before we kick off full conversation, we usually ask our guests some like five icebreaker questions. Okay. You should not be scared, but you should be a little bit because I had no control over these questions. They were all submitted by the Insane Army. The Insane Army is the best fan base in the entire world. That's the fan base for the show and for me. So by default, you're now a member of the Insane Army. Happy to be a member. <laughs> Happy to have you. Okay, let's just jump in. Five questions. Boom, boom, boom. It'll be great. Sounds good. Okay, question one. What is the scariest thing that you've done in the, in the name of fun? Scariest thing in the name of fun? Yes. Oh, man. That's the thing. I'm so boring and occasionally risk-averse, but that is so <laughs> not a good answer. Um, <laughs> Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Probably for me. Okay. I actually have the yeah. answer. I'm afraid of heights. Okay. But I'm really trying to overcome that. So I push myself to go on hiking trips that force me onto weird little rock ledges that are a little Ooh. alarming and kind of like get me outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, and I love it, but I hate it at the same time. Oh, that's great. I mean, I used to be so scared of like heights and everything, but right now hiking is one of my favorite pastimes. Mm. Like I have a goal to actually hit all the summits in Abuja. That's where I'm based in Nigeria. Right. So I, w I went from being really scared of just trying things out to just looking forward to climbing the next highest um, summit. So that's great. Actually pushing yourself like that is really amazing. Okay. What is the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? Oh, I wish I wasn't. I wish it wasn't like check my phone, but sometimes it is. <laughs> I can't even judge you. Me too. I know. It's like it's such a terrible habit. 
But no, I mean, honestly, it's, I look at my phone, but really it's, I've programmed my morning so tightly mm -hmm. that it's like, wear my gym clothes, go to the gym. Then mm -hmm. I have to make breakfast. And so it's boom, boom, boom. So I'm just okay. sort of an autopilot. And that's okay. kind of what I'm thinking. Well, that's good. That's good. For me, it's just wake up, look at my phone and see who loves me online. Uh, okay. <laughs> Question three. If you could visit any place in the world right now, where would it be and why? Like at this very moment, if you could teleport anywhere, where would it be and why? I am dying to go to Patagonia, and specifically Chilean Patagonia. Um, there's this trek there called the W Trek. I've heard of it. And I have Insta-stalked so many people who have done that trek. <laughs> but really, it just looks spectacular and like boundary-pushing, but mm -hmm. also beautiful nature, and I would really love to go. Like and right it's also now. really like Insta-perfect. Like you can get yeah. some of the most amazing content from it. And just to like make it clear, we're both sweating right now, so I, I think it'd be a little bit cooler there. <laughs> so hot here. It is oh, very hot in Cotonou. Cotonou is so hot. Okay. What three words would your mom use to describe you? Okay. Um, precocious. Okay. Certainly when I was younger. Um, headstrong. Oh, okay. Um, but empathetic. Yeah. Empathy. That's something I've never gotten on the show before. Really? Wow. That's so great. I mean, my mom literally, like, some of our biggest fights happen because of, I'm very empathic. And sometimes I just, like, care too much about other people. And she's like, you need to try. And, like, it's great. But, like, think of yourself as well. I'm like, no, I have too much feelings for others. I know. <laughs> we feel it all. We feel it all. Uh, wait, what's your star sign? I'm a Libra. Oh, Libra. Okay. I'm Cancer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, it's a, I wish I knew more about astrology than I do. Oh. Like a friend of mine was trying to get me into it a little bit more and explain to me about like my different moods and all of that. Okay. Yeah. And I really didn't stick with it. I, I need to get back on that. You, you should. It's, it's, it's really great. But Libras are amazing. I oh, love Libras. Thank you. It's why we connect us so well. There you go. <laughs> okay. And then finally, and this is like one of my favorite questions to ask. What is the longest word you know in English? It could be a nonsense word, anything. What is the longest word you know in English? I mean, the first word that came to mind was nincompoop. <laughs> but I don't actually know if that's the longest word I know in English, but that was, the, when you said that, that's what popped into my mind, so that's what okay. I have to share. Okay, nincompoop. Nincompoop, it's all Registered. I got. Registered, got it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back. Um, now let's just talk about something more uh, seriously fun. Okay. The first time we met, like, 48 hours ago. Now, do you naturally always offer help to strangers who struggle with language and stuff? I do, because I... Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> well, I mean, only if it's, if it's something I can help with. Like, I have benefited from the kindness of strangers so many times when mm -hmm. traveling. And I feel incredibly fortunate for all the people who take me by the hand and help to indicate the right location. Oh my God. And so when I saw you and your friends and you were just trying to explain that you needed some hot sauce, you needed that pepper... I was like, I got you. I can help you with this. This is a word I know oh in French. God. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to use language, but I also just love chatting with people. It just mm -hmm. always makes me happy. You know, it's so funny. Like, while we sat there, um, I kept whispering to myself that, oh, my God, we should invite you over. You should come sit with us. But then I was like, oh, but I don't want to impose. She was just like, let's have, like, a time on her, uh, by herself. 
So I was just like, when you were about to leave, I was like, mm -mm, no, I had to say something. I had to say something. And I'm glad I did because now we're here. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad I did. And honestly, last night was such a delight. Like I've had so many solo dinners and that's fine. But having a chance, because I'm traveling for work. Yeah. But having a chance just to connect with you all was really fun. No, it was really great to have you. So a little backstory for right. those who are not there. Um, I went to this really amazing restaurant in Cotonou. It's called Le Livingstone. Um, one of my favorite places, actually, because it's not exactly far from where I'm staying. It's a, it's a great pizza place. I highly recommend it. I'm going to put links to it um, on the description box of the podcast episode. You can check it out. And I was there, and I remember ordering for um, the brochette gourmand and with frites and um, aloco and just all this other stuff. And usually I like, because the plantain here is a lot different from how I like it in like back home. So I can only take it if they can give me like the spicy sauce. So I, I mean, I've been to a lot of restaurants around Kosuri. I just tell them, oh, I want chili sauce and they'll bring it. Oh, I want pepper. But for some reason, like I just could not translate it properly. And it felt so good. You know, it was just like, so um, what are you trying to get? And I was like, please, I got the chili sauce. And you told her and she brought it. It felt amazing. Like, well, that was so great. It's kind of the power of language, right? Like, I've spent all these years trying to be an American-speaking French, and I do so with my terrible American <laughs> accent. But if I can just help somebody get hot sauce with their fish, like, or with their plantains, rather, like, oh, uh, that's the best. It's a plus. It's a plus. It's a plus. Um, walk me through what, like, a typical day is for you. Mm, okay. Um, so typical day, well, right now my days feel a bit different because I'm traveling for work okay. and that's why we find ourselves in Cotonou, which is amazing. But in some ways it hasn't really changed a lot of my routine. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, wake up early. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a morning person through and through. Are you a night person? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so. I'm a morning person. Um, so wake up early. Go to a gym, go to the, go on a run, something like that. You know, mm -hmm. just trying to what, I figure if I get it done in the morning, it's done, and that's it, and that's it, okay. and I'm done. Um, go to work, but really, I think for me, the fun is at night. I love trying out new recipes, but I'm also trying to be really conscientious of using all the food I have. So trying to get creative with like what's art with the miscellaneous herbs in mm -hmm. my fridge. Mm -hmm. um, so like making different recipes. I should try that. Yeah, you should. I should try that. Do you cook a lot? I love cooking. What's your favorite dish to cook? Well, it's Nigerian dishes actually. Well, so I found. you're gonna have to send me some. Oh, great! I'll send you. Oh no! You know what? I think we need to plan for you to come to Cal um, to Abuja. Sometime when you come back to coaching or something. Heck yes, that'd be yeah, great. You should, you should. Because I could use some, I could use some lessons in Nigerian cooking. Because mm -hmm. that's definitely since I spent a lot of time in francophone West African countries, I had the chance to experience Beninwa cooking and Senegalese cooking. But Nigerian, I haven't really tried yet. Nigerian cooking is very extra. Like you can, I mean, we have so many dishes. Like okay, just from my. Um, just from my tribe alone, we have over 700 um, recipes. It's just phenomenal. my tribe alone. It's, you, can, you can never just like be done. So I find it's like, it's, it's a soup. You can, it's best prepared with like goat meat or chicken, just whatever it is. So there's a leaf called afang, and that's what you used to make it. And it's just, it's really good. You can have it as just soup, or you can have it with the swallow, have it with rice, have it with anything. I'm pretty sure it was the first thing I learned how to cook. And also back in junior secondary school, um, I actually cooked that for my home economics um, finals for like junior final exams. And I aced it. And I was like the best student. So. That is so much more <laughs> impressive. I remember for my home economics exam, I made a roast chicken, <laughs> which is so boring and also so boring American. Like I, anyway, that's very cool. Oh, great. 
Okay, but at least you love cooking because most love people cooking. these days you tell them cooking like why cook? There's like restaurants everywhere. I'm like, mm, it's fun. It's it gets so such pride fun. out of it. I really, I really love it. It's really amazing. Trust me, it's really amazing. Um, tell me now, you work in international development and things, yeah. and you know, it's like, it's very, it's very, you know. Oh, what I say, it has like pros and cons and stuff like that. For sure. So just like walk me through what it is that you do, yeah. um, as much as you can share. And um, yeah, so what, what do you do with uh, Dimaji? Yeah, so um, I work, I do work in international development. And the way I like to think of it is sort of this cool intersection of technology and development. So ultimately, the idea is let's leverage technology to improve frontline workers, but ultimately to pr pr provide the best service delivery at the community level. Mm -hmm. So people are like, what the hell does that mean? That's a lot of buzzwords. <laughs> so let me try to break that down a little bit. Please. Um, so like the typical type of project I work on might be a health-based project. Okay. So that could look like there's community health workers that are some of the most important members of the healthcare workforce throughout the world. We want to equip those individuals with a type of technology, typically a cell phone, maybe a tablet, that has um, an application installed that allows for data collection, that allows to okay. help provide service delivery, adherence to protocol, identification of danger signs, all that mm, kind of thing. Okay. And ultimately, the most powerful thing of all is that this tool works offline, but then when connected to internet, the data synchronized and can be sent to a central platform. Automatically. Automatically. Beautiful. And that's the thing that's so cool when we're talking about vast territories and really just thinking about how can we render our healthcare system, and not just healthcare, agriculture, so many different areas um, and so many different sectors digitize and really benefit from technology in a way that it can change people's lives. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. Um, I, actually, because I, I did some, some background checks on like the brand, but I saw that just like a, one of those like global social impact works where you guys are very, um, very committed to just like leveraging technologies, which like not a lot of people see because sometimes when people you know, in development go into these communities, some of them just do not want to take so much away from their, I don't know, their heritage. So yeah. technology isn't exactly always maximized. But then again, it's the 21st century and it's, it's like you cannot exactly be progressive at any level if you know you don't maximize just a little bit of tech and it's great that you guys are doing that and I'm so proud of you. I promise. Thank you. I am. Um what has been like say some of like the biggest challenge or just one biggest challenge you face since getting into development? I mean I think it's sort of something you spoke to, right? Like we both the challenge of international development, it's been rightly criticized for being top-down as opposed to bottom-up, <laughs> right? And, and that is a totally fair criticism that maybe on a different podcast, I'm more than happy to unpack and think about what that role looks like and what that means. But ultimately, it's you're trying to create something for the community, but you're also trying to be cognizant of the Ministry of Health or mm -hmm. the Ministry of Agriculture protocols, yeah. and also trying to be aware of what the real-life constraints are for a community health worker on the ground who maybe isn't paid or paid infrequently or maybe has to watch children and also has to cook for the family. When you take into account all those constraints and you still are saying, and I want to provide you this tool and this is something new and I promise you it can help, there is a barrier at first that you have to overcome to build that credibility. Build that credibility yeah. And that, for me, is something that is hard, and I think rightfully so. Like people should okay. question when someone's coming into their communities and saying, we have this thing that can help you. Um, historically, <laughs> that hasn't always been the case. No, it hasn't been, no. Um, it has a pretty bad history. So I, all of those, all resistance, I find, to be fair and, and well-directed. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not, it's something that I, I see as, yeah, something that's right. It, ma it makes okay. sense. It makes sense. Yeah, but it can be a bit um, touchy sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think I also want to, like, 
to be clear, like as a white American woman working in international development, it's something that I need to be cognizant of that yeah, role in that yeah. space and when I should cede space to somebody else to try to negotiate a conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that is real. I mean, I'm pretty much, I've, I've definitely had like my share fair of, you know, resistance. Sometimes I find it really irritating. I'm just like, come on, I'm here to help. Yeah. But at the same time, when you forensically, you know, explore, you're just like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Let's be more diplomatic in how we share this information. Because you, know, you have to prove that you're actually there to help. Because, like you rightly said, history has not always favored the, oh, I'm here, I'm coming into the community, I want to have this thing to help you. Come and just do what I say. So, totally. that's great. But, like, okay, so hang on. Your French is, to my standard, is super perfect. Oh my gosh. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> so perfect. It rolls off your tongue easily. It's, it's really <laughs> sexy, oh, I promise. You. Now, how did you pick up so quickly? Uh, with a lot of years of trying. No. Uh, so I, I picked French on the list of languages to study when I was in fifth grade. So that's okay. when you're 10. Um, and then I did that, dabbled with that all throughout like high school, high school university, whatever. Like but I feel like my French always rested at this middling, like average level. Basically, I can negotiate the Paris Metro, but maybe not much more than okay. that, right? Then I moved to Cotonou and found myself in a house with three French people. And I remember I was asking someone, I wanted to find um, the strainer, like the pasta strainer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the word for it. So I was like, where is the bowl with the holes and the water (laughs) is removed? (laughs) And they were like, look at me. What are you trying to say? And then they told me, oh, passoire, which is like strainer. Strainer, okay. And so then it just sort of, you know, kind of all comes together. Like your brain starts to realize what words mean and puts it all together. And that was really the turning point for me in language was, that was in 2013. Wow. And I... Obviously, living in, in the country as well also helps with, like, the language. Is Absolutely. Like, uh, not, not, it's the only mode of communications. Because, like, I've been to a couple countries, and it's so funny. It's like, everywhere else I go, sometimes, you know, these people, they understand that, oh, there are foreigners around. So the signs and things, they all have, at least there's a little bit of English, you know, thrown in here and there. But you come to Cotonou, you go to Lome, you go, like, most of, like, the West African French countries, and... They don't give two flying chickens about you not understanding. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you can't speak it, we can't really help you. I know. And, and I'm also so amazed because, like, I was talking to people today um, where I was working, and I mean, obviously, this makes sense. They speak five languages, right? Oh, great. And I'm there, like, I barely speak two. No, um, but yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's definitely a benefit to be able to speak mm, French, French, but nevertheless, yeah. there's so many languages to keep in mind, and mm. it's kind of amazing how polylingual people can be. It's so funny you just mentioned that, because one of the things I wanted to be like when I was younger was to actually be a full-time polyglot. And like, oh. work for like maybe an embassy or an international, multinational company, still or do in it. development or something like that. And I remember like being so into languages, like by I think 14, 15, I could speak four or five languages, including French. I could speak French, I was learning German. I could speak French, like say mid-wing fluency, like, like you said, navigate through like the Paris metro and stuff. So I could speak French. Actually, no, I was prepping to write the the uh, diploma to l'enfancée um, Bay on exam. So this was like French language. Um, what's the word? Um, uh, it's like the the, the TOEFL. Oh of yeah, the French. right exactly. Yeah. It's like the TOEFL of French. So I was prepping to write that, and I was like, I was acing all the practice exams, all of that, because I mean, I loved it. 
then I, then I was learning German. I was learning Finnish. I, I had just started Mandarin. Oh, my goodness. And it was great. But then I got my first major gig. I started traveling. And I think every other language, because I, had, I didn't have a full grasp of it, just ebbed away. But Absolutely. French stayed for, like, at least, I'd say, two years before I just started, like, forgetting. Because in my head, I know that I, I can't say this, but, like, I just can't seem to find the words for it. Yeah. So... But I, I envy polyglots, actually, a lot. <laughs> and if, if I'm going to become a, a polyglot, it would just be from, just for my benefit because I move around so much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So since we're from the States, like, how many countries have you lived in, been to since, like, you moved? Okay. So I've, ooh, that's a good question. I've been to, uh, or I've lived in, well, two countries outside of the U.S. Okay. Like, ha- I'll call it, I paid rent in two countries outside the U.S. <laughs> okay. So Senegal and Benin. And Benin, okay. Yeah. Um, but I've been really fortunate. I've traveled to close to 50 countries, not quite, um, which is a lot. Um, part of, a lot of that is through work, uh, actually, which is really amazing. Um, and some of that is also just personal. Just because. Just because. got to yeah. save that money and spend it and go travel. I know. It's the best to spend any money. It is truly the just best Just save way. it. Just buy that ticket and have fun. Absolutely. I it's one of the reasons why I want to move to Asia or just out of the European country for like a year. Mm. So I can just explore the entire region just that one year. Just like just plop yourself there and ping pong about. Literally. I'm actually planning to do that. Um, I'm moving to Dubai this year for three months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I can just explore like the UAE and like most of the Arab countries and Middle East and all of that, but I'll be stationed in Dubai. And then um, also because it's like the only other country around the entire Arabian nations that are very open to like, in- I mean, I love exploring cultures, but at the same time, I want to be, I want to be able to move around and Dubai has so many things to do as well. So even if I go, even if I go away, I can always come back easily and just like reintegrate myself into the space. So next year, I'm looking at either Europe or Asia, just go there for like six months, three months, and just like hop around and just frolic around. It'll be fun. So cool. I can't I'll wait to you follow your travels. <laughs> Hell yeah, please I'll do. keep you so updated. Okay, let's just take a break real soon because things are getting a bit heated. And let's play um, a quick game of uh, Would You Rather. Oh, okay. Yeah. Later oh, yeah. <laughs> now, for the point zero 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 one percent of you who don't know how the game works, it goes like this. I'm going to ask our guests some very hypothetical questions and just give her two very impossible options to pick from. Um, Are you ready? Ready. Okay, great. Um, Would you rather forget your password every weekend for the rest of your life or forget your name every time you meet someone for the first time? Uh, (laughs) Forget my name. Forget your name? Yeah. What? When I meet someone for the first time? Yes, every time. I think so. I think the password might cause me more strife <laughs> in my life. That would be a disaster. I'm constantly calling banks. If I forget my name, I can do a cute little, oh, I'm... <laughs> and then I pause, and I look kind of dumbstruck, and then I turn to my boyfriend, who ideally would be sitting right next yeah. to me, and I go, I'm... What's my name? I go, I'm... And he would go, Sarah. And then I go, I'm Sarah. I'm Sarah. Oh, that's so cute. Got it. That's Done. So cute. I debunked this. That's so cute. You know, I think of the first person who has actually ever picked forget my name. Because for me, naturally, I'll pick forget password because I just assume, you know what, I can just write it everywhere. But now come to think of it, what if you lose the, the password to your password locker? I mean, that's so- just... <laughs> Our entire lives are online, which is a terrifying thing, but it's a reality. In some ways, like your password is your name or is more sacred than that. Yeah, it, it, it feels a bit more, it's like a total, it's like 
total access to everything. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're right. Okay. Would you rather wake up as the opposite sex once a month or wake up in a strange place once a year? And by, I mean like really strange, like graveyard somewhere in the middle of Asia. Oh, I'd much like, rather wake up as opposite sex once a month. Plus, I just watched Taylor Swift's The Man video. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm really feeling those vibes. Oh, okay. 100%. 100%. Okay. Okay. Would you rather get $10 million cash right now or find $1,000 note every single time you reach into your pocket for the next five years? 10 million cash right now, direct investment, do everything, or just every single time you make, just put cash, just put your hand in your pocket. Every single time I put my hand in my pocket. For the next five years, just five years. Okay, so I'm trying to think about what the value is. So I'm going to take the 10, the 10 million. 10 million. Cash because right now. that investment will grow over time. Mm -hmm. And whereas if you're telling me it's $1,000, that's going to stay consistent. So five years from now, it's not going to be worth the same as 1000 today. So it's not worth it for me. It's not the right choice. You win. You win. Okay. Well, that's true, though. You're right. Okay. For the same annual salary, okay. would you rather be a hit YouTube star okay. or a super popular reality TV star for the same annual salary? Oh, neither. No. <laughs> Those both sound very stressful. Um, well, they uh, are. Probably... Probably reality TV star. Reality TV star. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Well, I, I mean, I'm a podcast. I'm a blogger and everything else. I just, I think for me, it's just going to be YouTube. It's one actual. I know. YouTube does make more sense for you. I feel actual. like reality TV, that, look, that's where I'm at. Look, t TV is so exhausting. Well, it would depend Ugh. on the nature of the show. Like, I don't know. It would depend. Well, like, it won't be like, a, it won't be like, a, okay, no, it, for me, like, if I would come to the TV, it, 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 will, it will not be The Bachelors. It will not be like, like some of those like Real Housewives franchise things. No, like not like none of the exhausting ones. There's this one. Have you ever heard of this show Terrace House in Japan? No. Okay, so it's this reality TV show called Terrace House. And my boyfriend got me into it. And it is amazing and also deeply soothing because people resolve conflicts in a mature way on TV. Okay. It's like sort of the antithesis of MTV's The Real World. Okay. Um, but I would be on that show. You'd be on that show. If, okay. they would, if Terrace House would take me, I would be there. <laughs> You'd be on that show. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, mean, I would love to host people like The Amazing Race oh, or something. Such a good show. I know. Do you know some, like, I have friends who don't get the show. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Wait, what? Exactly. It makes no sense to me. Oh, I don't. That, I can't even process I, I, it. I don't know you. I, I can't even process it. Believe Who me. Who are you? Okay. Um, finally, would you rather be surrounded by people who brag all the time or by people who complain all the time? Brag all the time. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Complaining really, I think that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who's affected by environment and, mm -hmm. and bragging, if it's warranted, like if it's actually merited on good work, it can be annoying, but also it's like, yeah, man, yeah. self-congratulate. Like, you kicked butt. That's good, right? Mm -hmm. But hearing someone complain all the time, that kind of pessimism just drags you down. I'm not here I know, for it. I know, and it just, like, takes your energy away. And it zaps just, it. Mm -mm. It's really drowning. You're right, actually. Well done. Five stars. I won. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, let's just jump back into the show. Sounds great. Okay. Now, just before the break, you shared some of your travel experiences. Now, yeah. tell me, how do you handle conversations around like safety and stuff like that? You know, being a woman, mm. being in like foreign countries and just traveling by yourself, I assume most of the time, especially with your folks back in the States. Because I know just like having to do with like a lot of my American friends and British friends and stuff like that, that sometimes having to come to these regions, even your embassies warn you and things, and it, it can be a bit tricky. So like, how do you deal with, how do you first handle safety? Then two, how do you deal with your folks back home who are obviously for goodwill, you know, just concerned about your safety? Yeah, I mean, I take safety pretty seriously. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to put myself in a situation where I feel uncomfortable. True. But at the same time, once you're in a place you have a better sense of the reality and it's and as opposed to the way the media is going to portray it or the way that people's perceptions are going to warp the reality. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, candidly, Dakar, for example, when I lived there, I took taxis, walked around at night, went on runs by myself. And that is all assumes a certain degree of risk, right? Mm-hmm. Like with anything else. But the counterpoint I would always argue when people would be astonished by that would be, do you walk around at night in New York City? You know, and also, what I mean to say is not to compare the safety rates of New York City and Dakar because I can't speak um, intelligently that, about that. Like, I don't know. know. But more so just to be like when you live in a place and you get to know it, yes, it's true. Like, your defenses could go down, which can put you at more risk. At more risk, yeah. But you also start to get a better sense and feel of the neighborhoods. You start to understand what different signs look like better. You speak – I spoke a tiny bit of Wolof. You kind of start to understand – what the communication is and what the nuances of communication around you. But when dealing with my parents, my dad has always been incredibly supportive of my travels. And my mom is too, but a bit more cautious. And she, (laughs) my dad, I know my dad's always been like, Sarah's smart. Sarah's independent. She's got this. And my mom is a little bit more anxious, but my apartment got broken into in Dakar and both of them were fine. Oh my God. They were, I mean, they were both like, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. Do you feel the need to move or is this sort of a random thing? I mean, yeah. and really, and weren't over-dramatizing the reality, oh, even though my yeah. apartment was ransacked, which stunk. Um, so I appreciated yeah. that. It was very yeah. uh, even-handed. That's great. That's great. Because, like, I mean, there's no need to even expand much on it, but, like, it's just crazy. Because sometimes people, and I feel like, because I'm a very big practitioner of, you know, the law of attraction. And sometimes, like, the things that you focus so much on, your, your energies on, without consciously calling to it, sometimes it's just like, it's just what causes some, some problems. So I just like, for me, I've been to some, some pretty, like, um, according to the media, dangerous countries. And I've had some really great time there as well, you know. So you can't exactly always overtake the need for safety to not make you want to have some experiences. Yeah, I mean, you have to be smart, right? Like, I always talk to people who live in the country that I'm traveling with. I always really try to base off of, like, local safety protocols. Yeah. Try to follow the examples of people I trust. What I try not to do is to over-dramatize something that I read about from, <laughs> especially when I'm in the U.S., and then make assumptions about what that's going to look like. Yeah. I really try... If I have somebody based in that country who's from that country telling me not to do a certain thing, mm-hmm. I'm going to have out like that is I'll treat much differently than something that the American media has decided to put a magnifying and lens on. destroy that. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Okay. So now you're American living abroad. Yeah. Right now, back home, there is so much happening, you know, around like the election that is coming on. The Democratic Party is just... 
it's just something else right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I have never seen it. I mean, I follow U.S. politics a lot. Oh, okay. I have never seen it just been so, I don't know, crazy. Now, what is your, like, say, as an American, but also put it, like, from a, like, more international perspective. Yeah. Like, what is, like, your perspective on, like, the primaries currently just underwear with the U.S. politics right now? I mean, it's such an interesting time to be an American and certainly like a passionate progressive American it's also a really sad time like as if it isn't abundantly obvious I am not a Donald Trump supporter and the politics of family separation of the Mexico border um the clear discrimination that's going on Mm -hmm. in his administration the uh cutting to serious social funding programs is devastating very sad and at the same time we look at the democratic primary and it's getting really tricky and tough um and there's a couple candidates that in particular that i'm really excited Mm -hmm. about um i personally am elizabeth warren fan me too oh Oh, oh my god i love elizabeth she's a vibe I really, uh, really I'm, respect I'm, her. I, I've, I've read like a lot of her stuff, and I know that she has a really solid mandate. She could be a phenomenal president of the United States, and she is flawed, like everyone, and has mm-hmm. made has certainly made mistakes. Um, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. But in thinking about the international lens, I think what when I first moved abroad, I'm, President Obama was the president yeah, at the time, okay. and the way in which. I was received as an American traveling mm-hmm. was just this degree of openness and warmth and excitement about the fact that America appeared on the surface, even if it wasn't necessarily true below, to be moving in a way that globally, the global community was getting really excited it's about. And that was so cool. And it gave me so much pride. And now uh, <laughs> it's more like this shared empathy. You're like, ooh, <laughs> not so great for you. And, <laughs> It's not, and um, and it's it's an alarming situation. But I think from internationally, I often worry about lack of credibility. I worry mm. that we're closing our borders literally um, yeah. to the fact that we need to be open to not just immigration, but also to ideas and to sharing of technology and just to benefiting from the richness of the global community um, that we have benefited from for mm-hmm. so, for so long. long now. Um, uh, so. I, I think I ex- I approach this next presidential cycle with trepidation, but also maybe naive, but I'll call it hopeful excitement for what we can then redo in terms of positioning ourselves in the okay. world. So how bad would you put on a scale if um, Elizabeth doesn't make it through? So I am an Elizabeth Warren supporter, but I'm also super excited about other candidates. So yeah. I would be, I would be okay. Um, okay. I'm really keen to see, we have this thing called Super Tuesday, which is next week, which is when a ton of the delegate votes are decided for the the Democratic National Convention. Um, So I'm really curious to see what that's going to be like and what the outcome is. Um, I think the key thing is people need to vote for the person not because of perceptions of electability, but the person they are passionate about. about. And um, and that's something that I think about a lot. That is so solid. Thank you so much. You are you are just a bundle of wisdom. Like I you have no idea how excited I am that we connected. I promise. Like this has just been really amazing. You're so kind. I'm, I'm just, so happy we connected too. I know just like your take on just like most of these topics and things are just stuff that, you know, I can't fault anybody because sometimes like your opinions are just always based on your experiences. But at the same time, some people can be a bit um, closed off-ish. So it's good just to find someone 
who is uh, open-minded, just like open to exploring. Because for me, it's like, it's more about the experiences, you know. Yeah. And to be fair, everybody, every country, everything, everyone has their own flaws. And you just have to learn how to either navigate it or, you know, deal with it. Or I would say avoid it, but sometimes avoiding it may not be the best option as well. So that's just, that's just really great. Now, finally, can you just share like one solid, epic piece of advice for a new like entry-level person looking to work in international development or just explore travel for work or just like anything around that? I just, I would really encourage people not to get discouraged by rejection mm. um, and not to over uh, sell like the power of rejection. Like rejection can stink <laughs> and it can really burn. But I was, I was turned down for a first fellowship and then I ended up getting the fellowship I got, which really launched my entire career yeah. and my time abroad. That's um, a Princeton one. Exactly. Yeah. I got, and I didn't get a Fulbright, which I had applied for in college, which is another opportunity okay. to go abroad. And life has a weird way if you push at it to allow things to kind of fall in a certain way. And it requires hard work. And I've certainly benefited from a degree of privilege. <laughs> um, but it's something I really encourage people to be, to have that tenacity to go after their dreams and also to do so in a way where they seek advice from others and mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to be in this alone. I agree. Thank you so much, Sarah. You are a rock star. Star. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, uh, that's our show, everyone. This is hashtag Yellow with Benson Equo, featuring the amazing Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for coming. I love you so much. Hey, Insane Army, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Hashtag YOLO with Benson Fbo. For full recaps of the show or for more episode resources and optimal updates, jump on over to www.thebensonfbo.com where you can also learn more about me and what I'm up to and there's everything else in between. Please consider subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, RSS, whatever platforms that you enjoy listening from and leave me a five-star review because that's just how much I love your validation and while you're at it if you found value in this episode please tell a friend about the show because that would help me out a lot Sarah how can we find you on the internet of things what's your Instagram if someone wants to reach out to you email stuff like that how can we contact you go my Instagram is at Sarah Sagan um, and that's probably the best way to reach out to me okay great jump on over to her DM if you have questions about this travel the work she does or just to hang out because, you know, we are the Insane Army and we stay together. Until next episode, stay winning and be insane. My name is Benson Ekbo. Peace.